0: If someone's complimenting yeah. you, always ask them to elaborate because it may be a while, Haley's comment style, before you get that compliment again. So you got to milk it. Who had it worse? Brooke in this episode covered in blood, her ex-boyfriend, or Stavo getting the shit beat out of him for no good reason?
1: Uh, As far as long-term psychological problems, I'm going to say Brooke.
0: I mean, if anything, it's probably going to earn Stavo some points with Brooke, or maybe not. Maybe his drawings are just too grotesque. But you heard it here first, dear listeners. I don't know about you, Daisy Bell, but this is one of the greatest episodes thus far, season two, Scream the TV series. The interesting and ironic portion of that statement is that Fogo makes only one appearance, and it's unclear if it's actually Fogo or if it's just an Emma's noggin. What do what you do
1: think? What do you think? Ha, I asked you first.
0: I don't know. It could go either way. I could easily see Fogo being locked inside and taunting Emma, knowing that she's behind glass. And then he just, or she just scampers off, like Fogo will do at the bowling alley in season one. Or it could be a hallucination.
1: I think it's a hallucination, because he's gone. Also, if the kids can't even get around the school without being caught by the cops, how would Fogo get around the school?
0: Well, it's the imponderable of the iconic Fogo to come and go as they please. There's a lot of fantastic dialogue in this episode. I will start with Mr. Acosta, the sheriff. He's got some great lines in this one, does he not?
1: I feel like we get to see his attitude more in this episode.
0: His deputy comes to him, with all due respect, sheriff, letting her off so easy and looking the other way when it comes to a gun on campus. You ever hear of Stockholm Syndrome? Keep them bottled up long enough, act like the nice guy in a bad situation, and inevitably they come to your side. I like how he just glosses over that while sipping some coffee.
1: I was focused on the coffee.
0: You think it could be one of the Lakewood Six? It's the Lakewood Five now. Ooh, that's a cold delivery. A student just died, Sheriff. Where's your humanity? And sure, even that sweet girl, Emma that is, that just walked out of here could be a sociopath, for all we know. But I'm not going to narrow it down to five people. The mayor busts in, and he says to the mayor, the cojones on this guy. So, I found Jake Fitzgerald, just like you asked. Yup. Now you
1: kind of see where Gustavo gets
0: his attitude. That is not even remotely funny. My daughter is coming home with me now. I fully understand your concern, but I still need to ask her a few questions. Not without me present. She might be more honest if you're not in the room. That's a great point. The sheriff will bring up innumerable great points this episode. Am I a suspect, Miguel? And this transitions us into the greatest line of the episode. No. You'd never drop a body in front of your daughter. A freezer in the garage? Now that's more your style.
1: Oh,
0: burn. Low blow for sure. I also love hit the end here while we're listening to the greatest and, interestingly enough, the only song of this episode. We've got the montage, the montage is coming to an end, and then Miguel says to Audrey Jensen, stay the hell away from me or I'll break something you love. That's justified by the way.
1: Yeah, it is. Even though obviously she didn't mean to like...
0: Uh-uh, we're past that. She was inciting a mob and everything that happened, I would say, granted, he should not have been drawing bloody students dismembered in various stages of gory, untimely demises, but she really poked the high school bear. But as this is happening, you get the song Bear by Wilds. Come on and bear your teeth. And then of course, Noah says, that went a little more Lord of the Flies than I expected. Because you've seen me Bear. You've seen me covered up, maybe I'm not scared, what you're thinking of, you've seen me here. It's just such a great song to put a capitalized, exclamation mark, underlined, bold, italicized on the greatest episode so far of season two, in my opinion. And lastly, we've got Stavo talking to Noah. You keep saying there's somebody out there. Have you not considered the vintage locked room horror scenario? When a stranger calls, that's a good movie. Killing Room, never seen it. Devil, eh, that was M. Night Shyamalan. I liked it. it, was, it was, how many times have you seen it? At least two. Two, and it came out like 12 years ago. Excellent. That's what it looks like, Dreamy Screamers, when Daisy Bell likes a film. She will see it twice in 12 years.
1: Well, if I love a film, then I'll see it a lot, like Indiana Jones.
0: Well, you grew up on it. It's a little different, to be fair. It's true. And then Rope. Rope is one of your faves. Yeah. That's Jimmy Stewart, for those of you out there.
1: Jimmy Stewart.
0: And Noah says, oh, you're saying the call is coming from inside the house? Yeah, man, what if they think one of us is the killer? And then Kieran, they didn't lock the killer out, they locked him in. Him or her, could be either, thanks Eli, but I guess I should leave the crazy paranoid talk to the experts. I got nightmares in my head, I fear That the thoughts build up until I can't hear That my mind fills up into a creature And it haunts me somewhere much deeper Greetings, dreamy screamers! Welcome to Faux Ghost Face, an episodic autopsy companion series to Scream, the TV series. This will serve as your fifth episode introducing a new chapter of Carnage. In a new, salacious, sordid, and sinister season of Scream the TV series, we begin anew as we reveal methodically who will morph into a new, fresh pile of bloody goo. Rest in peace, Jake. Or rest in Reese's pieces.
1: And Hotelman.
0: And Hotelman. This is where we scalpel deep and surgically critique this shamelessly delectable, guilty party pleasure. Today, we will cut a devilishly delectable slice of the Scream the TV series, Carnage Candy Confection, with our fifth Season 2 Fogo's face Review of Episode 15, Dawn of the Dead. We are gifted both the Lakewood Five and a variety of new cast members. The lingering questions that plague us are which of these six, now five, will outlast, subvert, or circumvent the killer's hideous tricks, and which new cast member could be... Likely might be...
1: Will be...
0: dismembered. You are still our dreamy screamers, for you are dreamy in your second season screams, and scream deep within your analytical dreams. We politely ask you to ponder the following. Is it a dream within a scream, or...
1: A scream within a dream.
0: You may not be able to escape your dream, but from Fogo, you can run, climb, you can jump out of a window. Ooh, that's what I would do and attempt to hide like Noah Foster in the hallways, but you're already dead inside, here, in your dreamy, dreamlike state. Each scream makes you feel alive, for as others may be killed, and these kills this season? Brutal. Gruesomely at times, you instead shall thrive, as you strive to remain alive, and to stick with those fleeting, but for now still alive, victims of past and present lies. I'm talking about you, Maggie. With all of your old-timey lies, who proudly deem themselves the Lakewood Five, who cling desperately to their still-breathing Lakewood Hive.
1: Brooke wears a thick, gooey, bloody crown in a viscera-covered gown, while Lakewood High goes into lockdown.
0: Brooke finds her lung power in the pool, but she is far from her pilot's fool. Question. How powerful? was that moment when Brooke was screaming underwater.
1: I felt sad emotions, and I don't feel emotions ever.
0: I thought it was expertly shot.
1: You could feel her pain, you know.
0: And it's so believable. That's what a high school girl, particularly Brooke, would do. She would go back to a place that had some sort of historical significance to her, and it was just a raw, unadulterated outpour of emotions. She's been doing pretty well on the surface ironically she submerges she finally has a moment alone and she screams her lungs out i could not have thought of a better scene my only recommendation to the director screenwriter end right there fade out right there what do you think
1: yeah it would have been more powerful yes in her defense i think anybody would you know you mentioned a high school girl i think anybody who lost somebody you are wanting just to feel the connection with them again so, whether that's returning to a place you have great memories with them, or maybe listening to old voicemails, like hearing their voice, I think it's a natural human inclination to try to feel that person again
0: after they're lost. The interesting thing is that Noah is not really doing that with Riley. Granted, they had a much more short-lived valiance, but he never really talks about her.
1: Yeah, but he was like reading through their old texts and stuff. So, I think to me, that's was the that similar- season. No, that was last season where he
0: was like scrolling through the text. Well, it's been three months between the seasons, so maybe it's time he move on to another dork or dorkette.
1: I mean, he's moving on, don't you think? To Zoe?
0: Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, it's time from an outside perspective that he move on. Question, though. I think the best part about Brooke's situation in the pool, you can perhaps take a different viewpoint, but the part that seemed the most natural, possibly even unscripted, was the little laugh right before she got into the water. It's like an inside joke with herself that only she's privy to. She does this smirk, briefest of laughs, and then she gets into the water. And I thought that was so. What are you
1: thinking that is?
0: Well, I'm just, uh, right now, I'm just commenting on the fact that I thought that was a really natural shot. I'm thinking that may have been impromptu, extemporaneous, improv. Improv. It, It was something along those lines. I think she's just, well, I know that you said off mic that you think she's just remembering a nice moment. It could very well be that. I suspect it could be that she's just, she's at a breaking point emotionally. And sometimes, like they say, like in No Country for Old Men, when the guy's describing this horrible crime and the guy kind of laughs and then he apologizes out loud for laughing at it. And Tommy Lee Jones just says, Oh, that's okay. I laugh myself sometimes. Sometimes there ain't much else to do, but laugh. So I think that might be kind of what's happening to her. Is Brooke doomed in her high school fear leader costume? One busty bitch, of phantom phone switch. And Kieran, to bring it all back around, the 21 Jump Street Snitch. What a dick. That's exactly what he said he wouldn't be in Season 1. He lied. This episode's gambit is tantamount to carry, but far cleverer and twice as scary.
1: An incriminating device was left in Emma's backpack. Is it merely a sick game or prelude to a sticker attack?
0: Was Fogo locked inside or out? Stavo is justified. By this episode's end, to pout. Welcome, dreamy screamers, to the fifth episode of Season 2, Fogo Space. Audrey, the student body, proves rather mean in Chapter 15, Brooks Submerged Scream. High school fear leader costume. Brooke wears a bloody crown while the Lakewood Fives on lockdown. It is time for serialized killer trivia. Take it, take it, Daisy Bell.
1: Oh, I didn't realize this, but I did see he typed like asswad at first or something like that. The password on Audrey's phone is Rachel's girl. Rachel was her girlfriend, if we will remember from season one, who got killed and who came back in last week's episode when they were all high and hallucinating. At this stage in the season, five days have passed in the show's timeline. The sheriff removing Maggie from the building would be unnecessary. In reality, He doesn't have authority over the medical examiner. Interesting. Only a state official or the chief medical examiner has that type of authority. I think whoever's authority it is, she should have been removed. So.
0: And that's what I was alluding to when I said that the sheriff has about three, he actually has about five strokes of brilliance in this episode. Everything he's doing, it seems to serve a very logical, almost poetic purpose. He's calm. He's rational. He's trying to work with the kids. I just really like him in this. He comes on really strong and competent. Hud would have been fine too, but I like this guy. He's also more mysterious than Hud in a way. I remember talking to Brother Brooks about that. Now, as you know, Brother Brooks, he and I have recorded Annihilation and Ex Mahina together. Ex Mahina will be posted down the line under Slick Flick Picks. But he and I were talking about the fact that much like Game Wardens, the coroner or the medical examiner has a lot of authority. Episode 15, Dawn of the Dead. Okay, morgue update. There's no morgue broadcast in this episode, but there is this dialogue that speaks to the morgue, and it's Zoe to Noah. I didn't want to say anything, but I'm a huge fan of the morgue. I love your voice, and I think that you make the morbid beautiful. Oh, well, thank you. Now that I've had a front row seat, I get it. Why you do it? I'm all ears. That's what I would say. Yeah, tell me. If someone's complimenting you, always ask them to elaborate. Because it may be a while, Haley's Comet style, before you get that compliment again. So you gotta milk it. I think maybe you're sublimating your feelings about mortality and turning your friend's death into a puzzle you can solve without actually dealing with it. Ouch. I'm sorry. No? No, you're right. We all have our ways of coping. That was poetic because he had just said that to her. So it's a yin-yang thing with the we all have our ways of coping. Tell me what you think the scariest scene is. Daisy Bell.
1: Easy. When Emma's having her panic attack and then breaks, well, not even breaks. First, she opens the blinds, she sees Ghostface, and then tries to bust out and then successfully busts out, which is this weird. I've always wanted to break a window. Like, I just, I want to see it crumble, you know?
0: Well, I think the best slow cracking of a window or a piece of glass, I should say, a pane of glass, is in Jurassic Park, The Lost World, the sequel to Jurassic Park. Where Julianne Moore falls on the piece of glass,
1: yeah, and totally.
0: About three hundred yards down is the water from this bluff that they're on. That glass starts slowly cracking, crack, 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 crack. I saw that on the big screen when I was a wee tot. I know that I saw it with Brother C Drew, possibly a few others. But it was a good time, and that was a great moment. We are on lockdown, and I say poor Brooke. She is Carrie here. You feel bad for her. She is someone that is unnaturally concerned about image and she is totally covered in her ex or present boyfriend's viscera and it's shocking and it's stupendous and it is for all of the prying eyes to see Noah is the first up to talk to the sheriff which is probably a good idea because Noah's going to give the sheriff a lot of details I also noticed that for the most part in this episode the kids are pretty honest with authority Kieran tells the truth Noah tells the truth Emma tells the truth one exception to that is at the end when Emma's like, I had a panic attack. Remember? Remember Miss Lang? What she said? Fight or flight? Adrenaline? Maybe that's why I did it, Miss Lang. Maybe you're to blame, Miss Lang. That was actually her doing some smooth CYA. But they're reacting how you would expect. Because if you were in high school and cops put you in a room and started questioning you, you would no doubt come clean very quickly. Why prolong it? And I like this conversation, what Noah says. It changes you, what we went through. I think Piper's accomplice is finishing the job. Notice that the sheriff doesn't laugh at him. He's like, shit. You're not wrong. I also like, for continuity's sake, Brooke still has the arm scar in the proper place. From last season, as you know, she was getting freaky deaky with Branson, Brandon, Brandon's son, no, Branson, and she gets her arm cut by Fogo, so I like that the scar is still there. What did you think? When Audrey said, We have something for you to wear, Brooke, what did you think it was going to be? Just normal clothes? I thought it was
1: going to be gym clothes. <laughs> like, a you know, those ugly, like, t shirt and polyester pants that you had to wear?
0: Or the shorts where you have to write your fucking name in the yeah, little white exactly. box? Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought it was. I hated those. They were actually pretty comfortable, though.
1: Oh, mine weren't. They oh. were, like, rough and polyester. So, oh, mine I guess, cloth. You had, like, cloth. Oh.
0: Maroon. Because it was the Wildcats, and it was a maroon color with a, like, gray print. And they, they were way too short, though. I don't know. I think that's hilarious that the school dress code is. You are not to wear shorts or a dress or a skirt or whatever that comes up more than like two inches above the knee or whatever. But these shorts were like halfway between your knee and your bits. And I'm thinking these are way too short. But Don't say bits. Grunge. Really? That's what you're concerned about is bits. I know. I, I could did. have said, I could have said the Frank and the taters. I could have said the Wang and the coconuts. I could have said all kinds of things. I regret speaking. Yes. Yes. But instead she's given a cheerleader outfit. George Washington cheerleader all the way. Hey, maybe their mascot instead of the Lancers could be like George Washington with an axe holding a cherry tree.
1: Yeah, that's or an a good apple idea. tree. What
0: did he cut down? Uh, cherry tree?:
1: Yeah, a- I was tree. thinking it was apple, but then when he said cherry," I was like, oh, yeah, maybe it's cherry.:
0: Okay, Noah's shirt. he's got a goofy one. It's a robot straw man looking thing with a sleeping orange fox inside of its stomach.
1: And it looks just like, OJ. I got
0: to tell you, I, I don't understand the shirt. I't I mean, either. Okay, let's go to Wizard of Oz. There's a Tin Man. There's a Straw Man, the Scarecrow. Yes. There's no fox, is there? There's a lion. There's a lion, but that's not a lion. I don't know. Maybe it's some sort of weird Wizard of Oz shit. Maybe they lock the killer in, not out. Now, Jake's phone has been mysteriously placed in Emma's backpack. How do we know it's Jake's phone? Because on the back, written in Sharpie, it says, Property of the Jake. (laughs) Haley Myers is going to be a bitch. There's no two ways about it. She is a small character but she's proven to be a larger character. She was the gal that Audrey approached on the stair landing in a recent episode. And she's like, don't mess with me. Whoa.
1: She is extremely unlikable.
0: Extremely unlikable. I do not like her at all. Note that her last name is Myers. I wonder if her uncle is Michael. I love how Tina, the mother of Eli, and the aunt to Kieran is outside. All of these parents are demanding to be let in to get answers. Well, she totally gets roadblocked by this cop. But then the mayor walks up all nonchalantly and he goes, hey, how are the kids doing? How are the wife and the kids? He's like, right on through, Mr. Mayor.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's what happens when you're mayor. It's your
0: boss. The mayor and his daughter hug. It's a nice moment. But this is the exact line of dialogue. So Aunt Tina. So some kid turns up dead. So you lock my son and nephew inside with the body. And for all I know, the killer, that is not okay. Mayor walks up. Caruso. I trust Anita and the baby are well. Right this way, Mayor Maddox. Also. There's a great dialogue here. This is actually Zoe talking to Noah, and after they get through some, I don't know, sadness, she wants to hear his theory. Do you think it's starting up again? Yeah, I do. Why did he do it like that, so public? It was an announcement, a coming out party, a classic end of Act 1 body drop. So the killer's emboldened now? Exactly. We're starting Act 2. Doesn't that sound like something Jamie Kennedy would say in the Scream movies?
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: That, unfortunately, means we've all got bullseyes on our backs, unless somebody figures out who it is and tries to stop them. Hopefully. Yeah, well, that's the job for the final girl. Or the hero. Hmm. Interesting indeed. Zoe is reading a book called Without Consent by Jim Clemente. I wonder what that's about.
1: I was thinking it was like feminism or something.
0: Could or be. Or sexual,
1: Could like, be. Me Too moment.
0: Now, the police decide they're going to do some locker searching. Will Kieran's mysterious locker content be a shocker?
1: I'm wondering what the hell he has in his locker. What do you think it was? I didn't
0: think it was that bad because he announced it in front of nine kids. He's like, I got to get something out of my locker. For me, I was thinking, I don't know, drugs. Well,
1: he, Oh, yeah, something, Something
0: he didn't want the cops to see, but that's not necessarily linked to yeah, the killings. Yeah, okay. In today's world, this gun, this nickel-plated pistol that he has, had that been discovered, he'd go to jail. For a long time. Yeah. I mean, shit. This is 2016. Yes, there have been shootings, but whatever. There's a killer on the loose. I love how he says, I gotta get to my locker. I'll be right back. Meanwhile, Noah's like, you did not just say that. And then Noah follows it up with, I'm going with you. (laughs) But the gun looks nice. It's nickel-plated. He gets busted by a deputy in the hallway who demands to see his backpack. He slides over to his locker in only a Kieran way. Super smooth, like Tom Cruise and Risky fucking Business. He just slides on over to that locker. Meanwhile, Noah is still safe, but he is having difficulty getting back into the study hall room where the remainder of the student body is loitering. Kieran tells the sheriff, yes, it's my gun. It was my dad's gun. I carry it for protection. Note that Kieran says it's for protection for me and my friends. Kieran, such a great guy. Remember when he saved Noah back in the pilot episode, season one?
1: Yeah, Kieran is very noble until about five minutes.
0: Well, in that particular case,
1: that was was pretty rough. He was saving his ass. Uh,
0: Well. He was about to go to jail. All he did was say Emma's in possession of a phone that the killer probably dropped in her backy-packy. Either way. I think it's interesting that I love how Kieran calls out the sheriff. You know, Kieran is not perturbed. He's formidable against the sheriff. He's like, yeah, this good cop routine ain't playing. What do you want? Well, apparently the sheriff is in the market for a snitch. Well, Kieran's a rat, which is funny because if we go back to like episode two of season one, Kieran tells his father, who used to be the sheriff, until he got God. Yeah. I'm not your 21 Jump Street snitch. We're going to call new term PTSD now stands for post-dramatic slasher disorder. I coined it myself. That's what Emma suffers from. PTSD slasher. Poor Emma. I like how the sheriff talks about Stockholm syndrome and then the cold way in which he reminds the deputy it's the Lakewood five now. Ooh, that still stings. And like I said, that was a real zinger. Yeah. The freezer in the garage, putting bodies, that's more your style. I mean, We've got Kieran mouthing off to the sheriff. We've got the sheriff mouthing off to the mayor. What the fuck is going on?
1: Everybody's mouthing off.
0: Now, this is an interesting line that Miss Myers drops when Emma calls her out in front of about 50 students. Piper butchered eight people, but did not bother a hair on your head. Wow. That's fucked up.
1: Yeah. Like, she is a bitch. And she gets
0: slapped. Yeah. Hard.
1: And good. I was glad that she did.
0: Which leads to a girly girl fight between... Haley, and Emma, and it's pretty rough. Brooke is being interviewed by the sheriff around this time. Note that in this episode, Brooke is completely alienated from her pals, pretty much. She gets to spend time with her dad, the sheriff, and the coroner. Like in LA Confidential, Jack Vincennes, oh great, you get the girl, I get the coroner. But she is convinced that Seth Branson is behind this, and as such, she tells the sheriff. I also love how the mayor is sitting backwards in a school chair. Did you ever do that? Were you ever one of those school students? Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm sure that you did that. I could totally see that.
0: Yeah. I mean, but it wasn't comfortable. My favorite thing to do was to just sit my butt on the cafeteria table with my foot on the seat, the little round seat that had no back support for whatever fucking reason. And I would often be told to not do that.
1: Yeah. I could definitely see that as well. And you also like to still do that. And you like to stand on picnic tables.
0: Yeah. I like to stand on picnic tables. (laughs) Just like I like high boy chairs at the restaurant. Why Why be among the shit when you can be up in the clouds? You know what I'm saying? Also, Emma, who has now been locked in a room. So the psychiatrist slash psych teacher, she's like, Emma, you need to calm down. Okay, that's the adrenaline. I'm going to just put you in this room and then I'm going to go check on some things. That is an oh shit moment. When Miss Lang is leaving the room, she locks the door. I would understand that if she didn't look so menacing. Yeah, why
1: do they make her look like that?
0: I think it will be revealed because this is a show that does great work on not leaving too many hanging chads, but in this moment, it just seems all wrong. And so Emma is officially in fight or flight mode. She gets a call from the motherfucking killer, which this may or may not be in her mind, by the way, but she is looking crazy and it's the typical always waits for her to respond or for her to initiate the combo with that opening line of gambit dialogue. Hello, Emma. Audrey notices that the fire emergency door to the study hall room has been deactivated. Noah, who, by the way, Noah's taking a lot of risks just walking around the halls talking on the phone.
1: Yeah, we, and he's trying to figure out how to get back in.
0: We've seen like eight cops at least patrolling the premises. Poor Maggie, she's on the stage still, she's crying. Poor, broken, frangible Maggie. There's not really the killer this episode, depending on how you look at it. Does Emma see the killer? Does she not? We don't know. But it's been a very low FOGO involvement. But this episode is still exemplary, still effective as shitballs. We learn from Maggie, who she mistakenly tells Brooke, Jake has been dead for two to three days. Now the characters know what we, Fogo, and Audrey have known. Everybody pretty much now knows that Jake has been dead a while. So what's interesting about that is that's that thing that we talked about when we went over Chinatown, episode two of Slick Flick Pick where we talked about how if the audience knows more than the characters for too long, you start losing respect for the character's intelligence. If you know less than the characters, you grow a little resentful. So you got to keep it where we know just what what they know, more or less. And I think the show does a good job of that. Just because we know that Jake's been dead, there's still a lot of fascinating human behavior on display. Okay, when Emma pulls the curtains, she sees Fogo in the hallway, wearing the raincoat, the Fogo mask, holding a butt knife, She breaks out of the fucking window. It takes like four strikes with that chair. She breaks out. She cuts her arm. She's now bleeding. And now she and Brooke can be arm scar buddies. How romantic. Maybe they can buy like matching sweaters and then just rip off the sleeve corresponding to where that scar is and make it look all nice and fashionable. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? I think that would be kind of cool. But nobody asked me for my wardrobe recommendations. Yeah. Rightfully so, Maggie's ass is removed as the lead investigator. And before you start getting all sympathetic for Maggie... Everything the sheriff says is correct. I think he's actually doing her a favor. So she will be escorted out of the school and hand over her notes to the deputy. Mother and medical examiner, Maggie, I'm not going to make you choose. You are removed. I agree. I like how Stavo shoots Audrey with a finger gun, just like Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino. Oh,
1: I didn't think about that.
0: I know that I've done this a couple times already this episode, but listen, dreamy screamers. Check out Slick Flick Picks. Listen to my episode with Brother Clint where we go over Gran Torino. It's a great fucking time. Poor Stavo. Okay, Audrey calls him out. Now, his dumbass is drawing this macabre shit on his iPad with half of the student body dismembered or decapitated.
1: Yeah, not the best judgment. (laughs) Not
0: the best time. But Audrey's like, fuck this guy. She goes over. She's been trying really hard to convince Noah, who Noah is unperturbed. He's like, look, I don't think that Stavo is the one, okay? He likes comic books. Sometimes Noah's really fucking dense, considering the history of this town and his involvement in it. But Audrey goes over, picks up his iPad, it gets smashed by the student body, some guy in the back says, man, that's gross, and then he throws like a Yoohoo milkshake or some shit, hits the wall, they start beating up Stavo, it's pretty brutal, and I immediately feel bad for Stavo, because really, he's already kind of looked out for some of them, he's helped Brooke, he's helped Noah, he's given some good advice, Audrey's the one that had to be like, fuck you, Stavo, so he gets the shit beat out of him by this violent and chaotic mob. But, to Audrey's point... When she holds up the iPad, the first image is Zoe's decapitated head in a pool of blood. So I can imagine Zoe being like, uh, what the fuck? Hey, you didn't get my yarn the right color and my hair on that decapitated head, Stavo. His iPad is smashed to shit. How much did an expensive iPad cost in 2016? Uh, I,
1: ooh, I don't know. You're we'll, asking the wrong part. We'll
0: say minute. 300 to 350 bucks, give or take. That's my guess, depending on the quality. Brooke's dad. So the mayor uses Jake's dead fingerprints. To unlock the Jake's phone. Very smart and- Ingenious? Ingenious. And so, it does not look good for the mayor. This is the text exchange recently between the mayor and the Jake. The mayor says to the Jake, we'll be abandoned. And he goes, Jakey-likey. You
1: know, that was really Jake.
0: From this little exchange, one could ascertain that the mayor was trying to get Jake to do something with tools and gas cans at the Ren Lake Estate's property. Jake seems to be willing to do this because it's going to neutralize things with the mayor. But that's all we know. The sheriff is just sitting on this at the moment. Kieran, being the hero again, breaks up the fight. Meanwhile, Eli's kind of fucking with Kieran a little bit. Like, how can we trust you, Kieran? Oh, Kieran, you're a rat. You turned on Emma. Because the whole reason that Emma was whisked away from this room was because Kieran told the sheriff that... She was in possession of The Jake's phone. Naturally, the sheriff is suspicious of Emma. Why did you have his phone? Why are you having these emotional breakdowns? PTSD, post-traumatic slasher disorder. Hell, I'm surprised the next thing he's going to say is not Stockholm Syndrome. I mean slasher syndrome. We have a bleeding Emma and a bloody, broken Stavo. We trapes into the greatest montage yet. Now, don't get me wrong. Oh, Wonder, the way those songs were dropped. I've been upside, upside down. down. And Flory. The way that song was dropped. There's
1: a ghost who's under my bed.
0: I like those. But this song, Bear, B-A-R-E by Wilds, plural, is the greatest montage yet. It's affecting, it's emotional, it's poignant, it's everything you want in a montage. You get the line from Stavo, stay the hell away from me. You get the line from Noah, this is kind of Lord of the Flies. But Brooke screaming in the pool, that cinches it for me. Greatest ending to an episode thus far. They should have faded to black right after Brooke was screaming underwater. I love how she's still in her cheerleader costume, her fear leader costume, but whatever. It's a fantastic montage. It's also the only song in this episode, and I also happen to like that song independently of this episode. Now, there's that old reliable scream theme. Noah unlocks Audrey's phone after like nine attempts, and he sees the one thing that we all have been waiting for, the blackmail video of Audrey. Taking shit off of Jake's dead body.
1: What a cliffhanger. I
0: covered for you, partner. That would be really confusing to see because he sees Audrey over the dead body. I covered for you, partner. This is really bizarre because if he's thinking that Audrey's the accomplice, then she would be the second person. Who's this third person that texted Audrey? So it's very bizarre. Maybe there's three killers. Who the fuck knows? But I love the screen theme. I love the ending montage. We get some great sheriff here. We get some great acting from Brooke. Everyone else is more or less the same. I also like the conversations between Zoe and Noah. What about you? They seem realistic.
1: Yeah, I agree. And they're a good match. In fact, I like them better than Riley and Noah.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. For some reason, Zoe just seems more sensible, even though she does have yarn in her fucking hair. But that's okay.
1: I like her yarn hair. Just know
0: that it's very flammable. Audrey is fucking screwed. Noah is now privy to this very incriminating evidence. Body count? Technically zero. Does she have any last-minute thoughts or asides? Feel free.
1: Yeah, you didn't really... I don't think you talked about Eli this episode, but he is still an interesting character because it's really hard to know his motives. Is he just trying to weasel into the group, or does he truly want to help? And actually, this... I feel like every other episode up until this point, I'm like, oh, Eli, he's so creepy. What a weirdo. But... I don't know, something about this episode when he's trying to help Emma get rid of the phone. I didn't take that as a weirdness. I did take it as, oh, he's like trying to help her. I mean, do you have opinions on that or?
0: One, I think he likes Emma. I think he actually likes Emma. But what I don't know is does he like her romantically and he doesn't give a shit that his cousin is dating her, obviously. Is it like a one-upsmanship? Or does he like her like in a platonic way as well? That's unclear. Part of me was thinking he wants the phone so we can just look through it. Like, because he's curious. Oh,
1: I didn't think about that.
0: But I don't know. Either way, it doesn't work out because she takes way too long. Because he's like, hey, Emma, listen, you need to wipe the fingerprints off the phone and you need to ditch it fast. She's like, well, I mean, on the one hand I could, and then on the other, but then there's all, and then, hey, Emma, give me the phone. Way to go, Emma. To I time. thought
1: it was funny, though, that he was like, well, I could do it better than you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he's like, let's be, let's be real. You're, you're neurotic. You're suffering from PT slasher syndrome. Time for tunes for the post-op surgical mask wearing loons. Bear by Wilds. Great fucking song. Moving right along. We witnessed a broken window to Emma's soul.
1: Gun in the locker. Prelude to a darker shocker.
0: We saw a locked door, a cheerleading whore, and a bloody stavo on the floor.
1: The sheriff's son pointed a finger gun. Had some fun. But then, things morphed into something fucked up and unfun.
0: We encounter a bleeding Emma and a broken bloody stavo. But where are the shitballs is Fogo?
1: Brooke don't need no goddamn lifeguard, but I hope her petite feet don't squash a mislaid glass shard.
0: It's a high school pool. There's no rules. Piper Shaw is dead. But who wears this familiar coat and faux ghost face mask in her stead? Dream a little scream for us, dreamy screamers. Or stream a little scream for us, streaming screamers. Note that Scream, the TV series, is currently available on Netflix.
1: Can you spot the killer's brand? Her, their, his, its cold knife, clutched in her, their, his, its blood red hand. Oh my god, that's just like so much to say.
0: Covering all of our bases.
1: We could just stick with their for the pronouns. Or
0: it, could be a robot, cyborg. Mm, You're right. Something sent from the future. This new scream season we begin, of this new slew of games. How many will Fogo win? Old transgressions resurface, along with past sin. We hope Piper was neither a triplet nor a goddamn twin. The unmasked killer shouldered secrets, but even more mystery surrounds Quinn. But how will these torturous tales he spin? And on who will the brunt of the blame he pin? Branson is back. Should Brooke watch her petite back? Will he slice her throat or cut her some slack? Either way, with Fogo on the prowl, Lakewood remains under attack. There is a history among Sheriff Acosta, Maggie, and Kevin. But for now, that history remains a mystery, for all we know is what we see, and even if high on your own tainted, gifted, ayahuasca supply, you are not shielded or otherwise insulated from the haunts of this killing spree. Brooke and Jake were recently in the pool, and now Shaken Jake is but a pile of bloody bits and lifeless drool. If Brooke is smarter than the pilot made her seem, she will avoid hopping in the pool, lest she hops into her own pool of blood. Or would that merely be a screamy dream? If you listen intently and watch with focused peepers, you just might catch the next chapter
1: COMING!
0: FOGO's Face FOGO, our crime-fighting duo, comes between in Chapter 16. Beware, Lakewood's scaregrounds and unfun house. Brooke wields scissors. Noah flees a house of mirrors. FOGO irons out Seth's shouts. Your host, the Noah Foster Imposter, Falsetto Prophet, and co-host,
1: Daisy, you'll meet me in hell, Bell. Red Devil. Out. out.